Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Have you ever felt cheated out of a deal when buying tickets from StubHub only to see that there's a $15 fee at the end of your original purchase? Or have you ever been on Vivid Seats and not even get your tickets? That, that actually happened to me once. I ordered a ticket from Vivid Seats and I never got the ticket. And that's why I switched over to TickBick.com where smart fans buy tickets online. No hidden fees. Search and buy now 100% authentic tickets Best price guarantee, 24-7 customer service. Buy, bid on, and sell tickets with the confidence of their 110% guarantee. That's 110% guarantee. They show you the best deals with their algorithms and let you decide 0% buyer fees. If your ticket is $26, your your purchase is $26. No joke. The most transparent consumer-friendly ticket marketplace on the web, authentic valid tickets backed by our 100% money-back guarantee. You'll love your ticketing experience from purchase through the final whistle or out and no hidden fees. Like I said, if it's $26, hell, if it's $8, it is an $8 purchase. Save an average of 10 to 15% on every purchase guaranteed only at TickPick.com. Get your tickets now. Today is Friday, September 27th, 2019, and you know what that means. Or maybe you don't. It's a Flashback Friday edition of The O Show, though I do want to touch on some headlines before we get into one of our past interviews, which will come in the form of former New York Mets and Yankees pitcher Tim Redding. I wanted to touch on some headlines going into the postseason this year because there are only three games left in the 2019 regular season, and for most teams at this point, and it's become apparent that the Houston Astros are going to get home field advantage in the American League throughout the entire postseason, which is nerve-wracking to me as a New York Yankees fan, given what happened two years ago. It was Yankees-Astros in the American League Championship Series, and the home team won every game in that series. Houston took all four games at Houston. New York took the three games at New York. For some reason, that's it's been dubbed uh, replaced for 28 this year for the New York Yankees, looking to win their 28th title. Everybody's gotten hurt, though all the replacements have miraculously been awesome. And with all the good luck that has come the Yankees' way, despite arguably having the worst luck at the exact same time, the Astros are getting home field, which means in order to go to the World Series this year, the Yankees are going to have to become road warriors, which has essentially become very difficult to do in Major League Baseball over the past few postseasons. Now, I know what you're thinking. The Boston Red Sox basically won the World Series last year because of their road success. They took two games at Yankee Stadium in the ALDS, clinched in Game 4 to go to the ALCS. They took all three games they played at Minute Maid Park in the American League Championship Series, which was astounding. Nobody could have predicted that. And then two more in Los Angeles at Dodger Stadium against the Dodgers to win the World Series. But this is the New York Yankees, who managed to go 1-6 on the road in that very successful 2017 postseason. Uh, they were one win away from the World Series with a 1-6 record on the road. That's a pretty hard thing to do, but at the exact same time, won't win them an ale pennant at all. So this year, I think I speak on behalf of all of New York Yankees fans when I say we'd really appreciate it 
if you can win a few must-win games on the road in Houston this October, because that's essentially what's gonna what it's gonna come down to. I don't want to count out the Minnesota Twins, who the Yanks are most likely squaring off against at this point in the American League Division Series. But facts are facts, and if there's three things that are certain in this world, it's death, taxes, and the New York Yankees winning a series against the Minnesota Twins. So if history repeats itself and the Yankees make quick work of the Twins, you know it's a long shot for either Tampa Bay or Oakland to beat the Astros in a best-of-five series. I mean, are you kidding me? Verlander, Cole, and Granke going up against three openers for Oakland or a Tampa Bay team with no bullpen to hold down Houston's offense with Correa, Altuve, and George Springer, who's having an MVP season. A Yankees-Astros American League Championship Series rematch from two years ago seems likely and seems like a go to a lot of people this year. And with the Astros getting home field advantage, it makes Yankees fans everywhere a little worried that history will repeat itself, especially because now Justin Verlander and Garrett Cole will get games one and two at home in Houston with Granke and probably Wade Miley getting the starts in games three and four in the Bronx. So we'll have to wait and see what goes down. Only one week to go before game one of the division series between the Yankees and Twins. I'm nervous. I'm also excited. This has to be the year. If not, there's going to be a lot of questions to be answered by Aaron Boone, Brian Cashman, everybody. A lot of decisions are going to have to be made after this season if they can't get it done. But we'll get more into postseason talk when Hunter Shelton joins the show next week to discuss his Minnesota Twins facing off against my New York Yankees, the Astros, and the AL wildcard winner, whether it's Tampa Bay, Oakland, or Cleveland. The Indians also still very well in the mix with the final weekend still to be played here. And then on the NL side, you've got the Dodgers squaring off against either Washington, Milwaukee, or St. Louis. Everybody's clinched there. The five teams on the NL side are obviously going to be the Dodgers, Nationals, Brewers, Cardinals, and Atlanta Braves. The only question is whether Milwaukee or St. Louis will win the NL Central. If they don't, if one team doesn't, they're going to play in the wild card game against the Nationals on the road. So it's a big must-win division this year for either Milwaukee or St. Louis because neither team wants to go on the road in a one-game playoff, and then you're facing off against the L.A. Dodgers, which is a tough task in itself. So it looks like we're getting Dodgers versus either Washington, Milwaukee, or St. Louis, and then on the other side, we're getting Atlanta Braves versus either St. Louis or Milwaukee. So again, one week to go before the postseason starts. Should be exciting. In other baseball news, King Felix said farewell tonight. Uh, Felix Hernandez, longtime ace for the Seattle Mariners, saying goodbye to King's Court at T-Mobile Park one last time, a ballpark that he called home and Safeco Field, for that matter, for over a decade. His uh, perfect game in 2011 is arguably the moment that will forever be remembered by Mariners fans. Uh, he goes out on his own terms. That This happened last night. I guess you'll hear this on Friday the 27th. He went out on his own terms last night, September 26th, as uh, the Mariners and Felix have not been seen eye to eye for a long time in Seattle. So we're, we'll, we'll see who takes a chance on uh, the King going forward or see if he just retires. Longtime feared ace in the league. Did not have it in his final years with Seattle. Has an over six ERA this year. So it'll be interesting to see who takes a chance on him going into 2020. So just wanted to give the former King a shout out after his final start in Seattle. Let's get into our interview with former Major League Baseball right-hander 
Tim Redding on this Flashback Friday edition of The O Show, presented by Belly Up Sports. Be bold, stand out, and buy TickPick, the number one ticket marketplace with no hidden fees. Get your tickets now. Let's go. There's two Game 163s today. You got Cubs and Brewers going on right now. You got uh, Dodgers, Rockies later. You got NL Wild Card tomorrow, AL Wild Card on Wednesday. Um, a lot of people argue that the one-game scenario Wild Card playoff is unfair. Some people want to make it two out of three. What are your exact thoughts on like the one-game Wild Card scenario where it is win or go home? You know, it's uh, it's interesting because when I was playing it uh, up there at the big league level, we didn't have the. Uh, the double wild card. We just had the one, the one wild card with the best overall, you know, record. It wasn't a division winner, and uh, you know that was they played the number one overall seed, and and two and three played each other, and you went on and, and moved forward like so. I honestly think that they should just go back to that and eliminate the second wild card overall. Otherwise, if they want to really try and make it a uh, non-issue, then I guess you need to look at possibly expanding it even more and having having a you know there's three divisions in each league, so I have the top two teams in each division move on to make it a 16 playoff on each side. But then you're either going to have to do one of two things: you're going to have to shorten the, the regular season. Or you're going to have to understand that you may be playing, uh, you know, the World Series further into the end of October, possibly even, um, you know, for a couple of days in November. And depending on who's in it, that could be awfully, uh, awfully rough go for weather. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, you got the Yankees, who are a 100 win team. A's won 97 games. They play in the AL uh, Wild Card game on Wednesday. What's your prediction for that game? Uh, being that it's in New York, um, I. I would be hard for us to root against the, the pinstripes just because uh, I obviously have the firepower on offense, uh, hitting the most home runs by a team in a single season, beating the Mariners, and then, uh, you know, Oakland, Oakland's tough. I mean, 97 wins is nothing to, to shake a stick at, but, um, I mean, 100 wins is, is pretty impressive, and to have the three, uh, three teams in the AL do that, and almost a fourth one. I, I think it's going to be a good game, but I, I think ultimately I think the Yankees probably move on. Yeah, I sure hope so. Big Yankee fan, and I'm actually going to Boston next weekend for like a family weekend to visit my sister in college, and I'm like about to buy tickets for that series, and I'm really hoping I'm not going to Red Sox A's. So really banking on that win. So what's your uh, final World Series prediction? Oh, my goodness. Honestly, I haven't even really dove into anything since uh, my season ended. <clears throat> Uh, a little less than a month ago. Um, I mean, there's there's so many different scenarios on the American League. I mean, any of those aforementioned 100 win teams could be there. Uh, Cleveland, you know, they took a run at it last year. Houston's repeat, you know, trying to defend. Um, I mean, 
shoot. I, I really couldn't even begin to tell you. I, I think I think the ALCS could come down to uh, the Yankees don't win. I think the ALCS could come down to Boston Houston. I think if the Yankees win, uh, I think it could come down to Yankees Houston. And then bottom line, I think pitching beats hitting more times than not. And I just don't know if you can. I don't know if you can go in there and beat the Yan- or beat the Astros uh, starting rotation. Um, with the way Verlander's been pitching, uh, stuff like that. So I would say probably Houston will probably go for the AL again out of the National League. Um, uh, out of the National League, I think there's so many good stories with the Rockies and the Brewers being there. Um, in Atlanta, I, you know what? I, I, I think Atlanta's really got a good shot to go. You know, they were a lot better this year, significantly better this year than a lot of people thought they were going to be. And I think they were probably a year early. But if, if they get hot, they're, they're tough to beat. So I'll uh, Saturday night, David Wright played his final game at City Field against the Marlins. You played for the Mets in 2009. You were his teammate for a season. What was it like being alongside David Wright for that season, and what like kind of man was he? Wow. DW is probably one of the, the most fun-going, just ultimate kids in a baseball uniform type of guys you could ever come across. I mean, it, it's hard to root against him, whether you're, you know, you're a teammate or an opponent. Um, he he's uh, the consummate of a professional. I, I've been really, you know, saddened to, to hear about all his medical issues with his back and things that have keeping him out, away from the game for so long. And um, for for just a former teammate, somebody I really respect as a ball player and face faces an opponent as a pitcher quite a bit. Um, you know, it was really, really moving to see him take the field Saturday night. And, uh, but he, he, he's just one of the, you know, like I said, you, you could be whatever the number one arch rival of a Met is, and you'd find, you'd be hard-pressed to find someone that's rooting against him. Definitely. He, he's like the, uh, well, I won't. He's not like the Derek Jeter of the Mets. He's their franchise guy, and it was really sad to see him go at such a young age. Um, so you played for 17 seasons. You played for multiple teams. What was your best moment as a professional ball player? Oh, wow. Um, the biggest one probably that comes to mind was just, uh, you know, being um, in the playoffs at the MLB level for the first time, and that was, you know, my, my rookie year in 2001. You know, just being being uh, acclimated to winning in the minor leagues with the Astros organization and, and you know, winning a couple of minor league championships. You know, we got a we had a good group of guys working our way up through the system. You know, and finally get there and you play against you know Hall of Famers like Bags and Biggio, and you know you had Billy Wagner there closing it out, and you know a couple you know hard notch starters, and um, you know you mixing guys like you know Berkman and Hidalgo. You know, it was just a really really great team. It had a lot of all the right things in the right places, and um, you know that was probably you know my most memorable moment just because it was tasting that type of atmosphere while we're talking about the playoffs coming up it was just tasting that for the first time and just knowing that you know this is what you you know this is what you grind out of 162 games for is what you try to pitch through minor injuries and aches and pains and you know it's what you try to do um, to get there because you don't know if you're ever going to make it back or how long in between you know, having said that out of all the teams you played for the Astros Padres Little stint with the Yankees, Nationals, Mets, even the Samsung Lions in South Korea. Who was your favorite team to be a part of? Um, you know, honestly, I mean, I was a I was a Yankee fan growing up from upstate Western New York, so that was kind of the ultimate dream come true. Even though I didn't have a uh, well well uh, remembered outing as a Yankee for an inning plus in Boston, but um, you know, every every stop had had this. Um, 
benefits, and, and I really can't pick one more than the other. Um, New York was a letdown because we were favored to, to go to the World Series in 09, and uh, you know we, we hit a slew of injuries that just knocked everybody out of our lineup and a couple of the, the arms and the, on the pitching staff as well. And it just never came to fruition the way you know it was to be envisioned, and you know so that was kind of a letdown. But I had a great time pitching, you know, for New York City for the whole season. And, you know, hearing opening up City Field and seeing all those fans sit on the stands and yelling at you, and, you know, supporting you guys and stuff like that. But success in Houston, going to the playoffs, success with the Padres. We won the division that, that half the season I was with them. Um, you know, the Yankees was the ultimate dream come true. The Nationals was, you know, ironically kind of a, uh, you know, a rebuilding situation, not only for the organization as they were trying to move from Montreal, but also for me. It gave me a chance to be a and other statesmen in the pitching staff and kind of step up and see what kind of a leader and motivational guy and good teammate and teacher I could be. And that's how turned my career when I was done is uh, thinking about, you know, becoming a coach was just having so many young guys in, in big league camp and on the roster those two years I was there. Um, you know, it just really kind of made me feel like there there might be a place for me to help, help kids out, you know, when I'm done. In your 17-year career, this might be a tough question. Who was your favorite or favorite or best teammate you had in your career? Yeah, that's a tough one. I mean, obviously just talked about David Wright. Um, you know, the same type of guy in San Diego with Trevor Hoffman. Every 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 organization, every team's got their got their guy. Um, it's it's hard to put a finger just on one guy, but they're they're definitely I've been blessed to play with a lot of a lot of Hall of Famers and a lot of really high caliber, um, talented players, but just high caliber um, you know, men and, and people in general. So I, I really can't pick one person. Like you said, you want you wanted to get into coaching, and uh, you were actually the pitching coach for the Auburn Double Days in Auburn, New York, back in 2014. I don't know how long you lasted there, but do you go into like what that was like for you, finally, like getting into coaching? Yeah, well, I mean, I spent four years there as a, as a pitching coach, um, and it was kind of the the. Um, you know, full circle, my, my career coming full circle. I started my playing career as an Auburn Double Day in 1998 with the Astros, and then I made my coaching debut as an Auburn Double Day with the Washington Nationals organization. And, um, you know, it was just kind of surreal and, and kind of funny haha to, uh, to have that kind of be my first stop in both aspects of my professional career. But um, it was good. I mean, I had a, I had a really, you know, good manager. Um, you know, older type guy, been around, managed for quite a few years, and, you know, he allowed me to make some mistakes and, you know, pull me aside, be like, I may want to think about doing this a different way, or, you know, you got to be careful and um, how you present that and stuff like that. I mean, I was hard-nosed and hard-knocked, and that's just the way I was coming up with Houston. Um, but, you know, being in Auburn was great, even um, all four years was a different adventure just because I got some new draft guys that, that June. Um, you know, coming in within a week or two after being drafted and signed. So it was uh, it was fun just because every year I get to have a totally different look at what's going on in college baseball, what guys are learning how to do and, and help them get those guys um, on the road to, you know, the major leagues and, and be professionals. So given that you already have some coaching under your belt, what exactly is your main goal in coaching? To coach, like, youth baseball or major leagues, minor leagues? college what's your, what's your main like purpose well I, I would like to get back to the big league level um and be a pitching coach at that level um or a bullpen coach it, it's something to do with pitching 
um, if I can get there and, and get back to the highest level there and be around that again and, and do it at a different different capacity. Um, and, you know, I don't know where the road's going to go or how long it's going to take, but, you know, if it came down where an opportunity came aboard to, you know, to go to a, a, a top college or top university to do that, um, you know, I'd have to weigh my options when that comes. Um, but as far as getting into youth and, and, you know, travel ball and stuff like that, I really don't have any desire to, to run a team or do anything in that aspect. Um, I do work with teams in the off season. At a, at a couple of academies here where I live, and, and we'll go in and give clinics and and um, you know help these kids try and protect their arms and, and give them some of the tools and and techniques that we do in, in professional baseball, both throwing and recovery wise, to, to try and help the uh, help minimize the epidemic of, of youth injuries in, in their arms with young pitching. So, how's the job search coming along for you right now? <laughs> I mean, I'm looking, looking for something to do right now, um, waiting to hear from some organizations with the season ending, ultimately ending yesterday, except for a few teams. Um, you know, most people probably won't start reaching out until uh, their seasons were over. So I'm hoping to uh, start getting some lines um, being pulled on here over the next week or two. Uh, that's good. So last question for you. I know you said in 05 it was a brief stint with the Yankees, but if you could tell me how was it playing alongside the captain, Derek Jeter, as a big Yankee fan, I got to know. Yeah, no, it was, uh, it was great. Um, you know, I was up there for three days. You know, I only pitched the one, uh, the one game. You know, but being around him, being at that level for so many years, having to face them um, twice a year with the Mets. Like you said, I mean, David Wright was the leader of, of the Mets and, and, you know, so on and so forth, but you know, Jeter is that same type of personality. He's just consummate professional, comes to the field, jokes around, gets his stuff in, and then when it's time for him to get work in, he's all business. And, uh, you know, great, great example of, you know, what it takes to, you know, be, uh, you know, I know there's a, a, a first round pick and, and whatnot, but. You know, he came out of Michigan and, and, you know, just didn't have a lot of a lot of support. I actually read his uh, scouting report. You know, people just, uh, different reports about him coming up, people just didn't think that he would have the frame or the aptitude to do things. And, you know, he's going to be a first ballot unanimous Hall of Famer, no doubt, when it comes time. But, I mean, just, just a great guy. Just, you know, one of those guys that, again, you, you would find someone hard-pressed to root against. Have you ever felt cheated out of a deal when buying tickets from StubHub only to see that there's a $15 fee at the end of your original purchase? Or have you ever been on Vivid Seats and not even get your tickets? That, that actually happened to me once. I ordered a ticket from Vivid Seats and I never got the ticket. And that's why I switched over to TickBick.com where smart fans buy tickets online. No hidden fees. Search and buy now 100% authentic tickets Best price guarantee, 24-7 customer service. Buy, bid on, and sell tickets with the confidence of their 110% guarantee. That's 110% guarantee. They show you the best deals with their algorithms and let you decide. 0% buyer fees. If your ticket is $26, your, pr- your purchase is $26. No joke. The most transparent consumer-friendly ticket marketplace on the web 
authentic valid tickets backed by our 100% money back guarantee. You'll love your ticketing experience from purchase through the final whistle or out and no hidden fees. Like I said, if it's $26, hell, if it's $8, it is an $8 purchase. Save an average of 10 to 15% on every purchase guaranteed only at TickPick.com. Get your tickets now. That was our Flashback Friday interview of the week with Tim Redding. A quick episode on this Friday for you. Again, like the Jason Michaels interview, it was one of my first interviews ever. So if you thought that sucked, I wouldn't hold it against you. I wouldn't even want to interview me from last year. Tim probably thought he hit rock bottom doing that interview, but I was grateful that he did it, especially since the only interview I had under my belt at the time was the Jason Michaels interview, or so I thought. And if you thought that that interview was garbage, wait until next week's Flashback Friday when we take a look back at my original first interview ever. I thought my first interview was with Jason Michaels, but after digging into the very origin of this show, I discovered that it wasn't. So next week, we talk to the play-by-play voice of the Philadelphia 76ers, Mark Zumoff, where we try to talk about his book, his broadcasting experience in the Olympics, and so much more. But until then... Hit it, Hootie. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube